Football School. Brought to you by The Tote. With Luke Parkinson, Jamie Hart and Jamie Benson. Welcome back to Pool School. It's Evo Week on the Navesmire in York and we're set for three days of Whirlpool action. Wednesday, Thursday and Friday's cards from York are all part of the Whirlpool. So that means you can get incredible value, world-class value with commingled pools from other jurisdictions from across the globe, all betting into one multi-million pound betting experience. And we've already seen loads of great action on Whirlpool days and we're set for three more days of brilliant action to help us preview it and look at the best ways to to tackle the Whirlpool and how to really get the value out of it. I'm going to be joined by the coach, Jamie Hart, who will talk us, to us about the value, the betting tournaments, and how you can get stuck into those. We'll have Andrew Mount, who's done so well in the, the betting tournaments this year to give us the real punting angle of where to go. We've also got Olivia Cole, who really does know her international racing. He'll give us the trends for some of the international runners that are coming across, or the international angles, some of the horses that like to travel overseas and how they may get overbacked, underbacked, in certain races across the week. So it's going to be fascinating. So make sure that you like and subscribe to Pool School on wherever you listen to this podcast. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and of course on YouTube where you can watch rather than just listen. So make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. And let's get over to the guys and really get stuck into what is going to be a brilliant Ebor week at York. Jamie, just to mention on the Scoop 6, uh, we had a, a bonus hunter, a sole bonus hunter going for the, the great St. Wilfred race. Didn't quite get it, but... That means plenty more in the pot for York this week. Yeah, so we had Danny Sarling. He 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 placed his bet with Bet Three Six Five, and then they phoned him up when he was um, he was watching the racing on replay. Of it. Um, so he he and he it, it was good because um, quite often people just pick the favourite, whatever happens, you know, whatever race we pick. But uh, he went for a Snash, I think, but it didn't win. Um, the favourite didn't win either. It was, I think it was 11 to 1 chance that won the, the great St. Wilfred. So now we're running the Scoop 6. All of the pools roll over. We're running the Scoop 6 every day of York. So if you win the Scoop 6, so I'll pick the six winners on um, on Wednesday tomorrow, as we're taping. So on Wednesday, then you get you will be up for winning 220-odd grand in a bonus, as well as your Scoop 6 money from winning, to, to another 220 grand for picking the winner of a race on Thursday, and, and so on and so on, until somebody wins it. So you've got to be in it to win it. And uh, I'll be playing every day, that's for sure. And make sure you play through the Tote Direct on our website or our app as well, because Danny obviously didn't do that and missed out on a, on a few more. Points. Yeah, it's a, sh- it's a shame. So, yeah, as with all of the Tote, if you come direct to the Tote um, for your Tote bets, because we don't have to pay a commission to the people selling the bets, it's just like, you know, buying your lottery ticket from a newsagent. The newsagent gets commission for selling the lottery ticket. Um, we don't. We obviously don't pay commission if you come straight to us. So instead of giving it to Bet365, we like to give it to the punters as a reward for coming straight to the tote. And so you get 10% more on your dividends whenever you come to the tote. So yeah, poor old Danny, he's, he did himself out of another 16,700. He would have won if he'd come direct to us and he'd been shooting for more for the bonus. But, you know, I think he's still pretty happy with his 167 grand. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure he won't be too upset. Although he was a West Ham fan and they've not started the season too great. So maybe he could have had a few more bottles of champagne over the weekend. But let's get stuck into York then, Jamie. I know you're not a million miles away from the course. How are things sort of shaping up weather-wise and Look, things? That... We, we, had, we had a decent shower yesterday um, in the afternoon, but it's been dry overnight. It's quite warm today. Um, not as warm as it has been, but I, I think it would just be good for the ground. Uh, it, it, it won't have significantly change the ground. I think we're looking now for kind of 20%, 10, between 10 and 20% chances of rain. Um, 
the ground was in perfect condition anyway. Um, so I, 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 I certainly don't think the ground will be against anybody significantly. It's, it's, it won't be overly fast, but it, it won't be slow either. It'll be interesting. Again, we have the whole Trushan uh, kind of dilemma, uh, you know, whether he runs or not. I always assume he's not going to run, but, um, but uh, it just makes it easier and you're less disappointed. But it, it looks, the, the ground's looking great today. I've been out there this morning and, it, and it, it's walking fine. Lovely living the dream, being by the nerves, Maya. Andrew, what, what have you made of, of York as a race course? I know plenty of punters find it hard to get winners there. Some find it to be lucky track for me. It's always been a bit of a, a tricky place, although it's a, a great day to go racing. Yeah, a bit of a graveyard for me as well, look, and a fantastic place for a day out. But um, yeah, may, maybe go to socialise and not have so many bets necessarily. Terrible, confident York feeling going into the meeting. I've completely, you know, I've sort of wiped out from my memory the uh, some of the past um, disappointments. And I'm thinking this year is going to be different. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to win that Tote 1000 betting tournament uh, at least two of the three days. Exactly, you've got a good record going into it so far. Any sort of techniques for punters to follow at York? Is there any biases anywhere? I know it tends to change. It's not an exact science, but anything you're yeah, generally. To go with? I mean, generally in the sprints, the early pace holds up and you, you make the mistake of looking at the pace map and thinking, well, there's a hell of a lot of front runners, for example, the first race on, on Wednesday. But then um, you look back at last year and the year before, you think, yeah, there were plenty of uh, front runners in those um, renewals. But what happened? Oh, well, we you know, a couple of years ago, a claim the nation made all straight down the middle of the track. And uh, so, yeah, don't be, be thinking that you, um, you, you know, you want to hold up horse in the sprints as the general rule. And again, uh, usually because of the number of sheer number of runners, it can be hard to make the running in some of those round course races as well. Exactly. So a good few hints and tips there. Olivia, you're obviously a bit of an expert on the international angle. We haven't got too many international runners, I don't think, heading to York, but I know the, the Great Voltager is a, a race that you wanted to mention. Plenty of, uh, well, international targets can come out of that race. Yeah, definitely. I think, as you said, we haven't got as many international contenders as we did say at Royal Ascot, but the meeting is a really interesting platform to those international targets later this year. We've got Breeders' Cup winning your in-races, we've got a Japan Cup bonus system race, and we've also, the pace now really starts to increase on the road down to Australia for the Spring Carnival races, whether it's horses travelling down for the races or perhaps moving down with new connections. We start, we're going to start hearing more about sort of quarantine, that kind of thing, in order for them to make it down there. So, yeah, races like the Great Voltager, I think of the six horses declared to run four-hold Spring Carnival nominations. So, really exciting from that point of view. Definitely. And Charlie Appleby has a, a good record in that race, the Great Voltager as well, and uh, has a few more leading hopes. So, maybe ones for people to follow. Definitely, yeah. I think, actually, unfortunately, the two horses that don't hold the Spring Carnival nominations are oh, the two yeah. horses. So it'll be interesting to see how the race unfolds, though, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So let's start to have a look at some of the races. Then we'll we'll cover some of the, the bonus races that are into ten, the tend to follow and sort of the feature race each day, just so we're not here for hours and hours going through every race that will be at York. But, Jamie, just obviously Whirlpool event again for the first three days of York. Just a quick explainer again for anybody. People are getting the gist of it now, but just in case what that means and with an eye on them big braces. I think the, the big thing about the Whirlpool is, 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 is good on a number of fronts. Um, first of all, for punters, because there's so much money in the, in the pool, there tends to be about £3 million pounds bet uh, into each race, which means the pools are very deep. Uh, it also means that when you're looking into other pools, the, the exotic bets are, are more popular than the win and place bets. 
So things like quinellas, first, first two in any order. Uh, the quinella place, they call it in Hong Kong, we call it the swinger, picking two out of the first three. So particularly in those kind of big sprint handicaps and stuff like that, they can pay very well, you know, so, and, and they're very big pools. And we, of course, if you're betting with the tote, we always enhance everything, but the natural dividend by 10% or give you the SP, whichever one is bigger. So you're getting 10% plus 10 or the SP, whichever is bigger. And I think in uh, Goodwood over the World Pool days, yeah, we, the tote paid uh, better than SP on 82% of the uh, uh, of the races i think even even over, over those three days over the whirlpool days at goodwood and i know a lot of people say well it's all very well comparing it to sp but you know sp nobody wants sp i mean half the time if you're beating the sp 82 percent of the time i think andrew will testament to this uh, you'll tend to get your uh, your stakes restricted by your bookmaker if you've got that kind of strike rate but we also you know i think in the 20 uh, the 27 race or the 20, 25 races. I think we drew with uh, Betfair on one, and then we beat the Betfair on the other on 50%. I think they and Betfair was better on 45 or something like that. So we, you know, it's, it it really stands up to scrutiny against even you know even 100%. And that that's what, and that's not including your commission and your premium charges that you might have to pay. So there's plenty of value in there for customers um, across the world and loads of angles uh, across the trifectas and the exotics. And you should also look at just how much money it brings back into the, into the um, game. So if you look at the prize money at York this year over the three days versus last year, it was just over £2 million last year over this three days. Um, that was their first world pool. They've plumped their money that they've made from world pool and the extra media rights because they get a percentage of the turnover that's generated from all these countries betting in. And they've got over four and a half million pounds of prize money in these three days this, this year. So when you're thinking about you know, being competitive on the world stage and Olivia will be all over this, looking at all that, that, those big money races out in Australia for the spring carnival. And so we've got to be competitive internationally. The Judmont International is regularly the you know the top rate the top rated race of the year, but we've got to maintain that position with decent prize money, and the Whirlpool certainly helps helps generate that. Definitely, what's not to like really, isn't it? With the, with the value, you, you're helping the sport and everything. So, if we look at the international stakes, uh, Andrew, I'll I'll come to you first. Obviously, Baid is is the talking horse in this. Goes up in trip for the first time, but. Me and Jamie were discussing yesterday. People might think that Baye's too short, so I'm not going to have a bet. That's probably not always the wise wise decision, especially on whirlpool days when the exotics are so fruitful, especially when you've got somebody like Baye in it. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a couple of angles, and we spend so much time comparing Baye to Frankel. We almost think he's passed the post already. Um, you know, Frankel was ten to one on when winning this. Uh, I think that was his 14th career start. Baye five to two on, so yeah, he is running over a new trip so if you do want to put one or two others in the place pot if Baid's third or worse the place pot would, would be massive I mean, they paid 4,800 quid um, on this day last year it could even exceed that I think he'll win to be perfectly honest I, I wanted to take on Mishriff I know Mishriff won this comfortably last year but on the balance of his form in Britain uh, I don't want to side with him particularly after that last effort when he was slowly away uh, at Ascot Native Trail I wouldn't be surprised to see him finishing second like Far was in these colours to Frankel all those years ago. Um, but there's a couple I'm looking at at massive prices. Uh, Dubai Honor and Sir Busker, who were separated by a nose when one, two over course and distance last time in a group two. Sir Busker, we know over the years, he always rocks up in these events. He'll often be ridden for second. You know, they'll ride him off the pace 
let the horses who've got you know connections think a realistic chance of winning take each other on soften each other up Baid sees them all off and then Sir you know, comes from last to second, perhaps. And I, I think he's he's the one for the exactor, the outsider of the entire field to finish second to Baid and maybe do by order as well. I think both will run well. That's a great shot. Do you think uh, course form's important at York, Andrew? Yeah, it, it is, but it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And you look at some of these races, think I've got to give extra, um, you know, credit to course form. They think, ah, oh, there's there's ten runners in certain races, and eight of them have won at the track previously. So uh, yeah, it is it is important as it is on most courses as well. And and a bit like Ascot, you do see some horses turning up at York with a string of ones and twos in their form figures, running there for the first time. They just bomb out for no obvious apparent reason, perhaps just not liking the track. Definitely. Well, at least it won't be flooded like it has been in recent years. Hopefully this year. Jamie, yeah. uh, with the whirlpool, I think we've got seven runners in the international stakes. That is that all good for whirlpool punters? And does it open up any other avenues? Well, unfortunately, Alenka's just is a late uh, non-runner. It's, it's been yeah. pulled out, so we're down to six, um, which means that we we don't have the Quinella place, uh, which is or the swinger in action. It will just be the win place exactor and trifecta. Um, but so 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 there will be a, it cuts into the amount of money that the racecourse makes. To be fair, because because they don't run their biggest um, you know those million pound pools. You can't get your percentage of the million pounds that you're not running. <laughs> Um, so that so they'll be very disappointed. Obviously, I think Elenka is interesting because Elenka uh, it was a dirty scope um, for Elenka, and then we had Mal June didn't run in the Prejacta Marwa for a dirty scope, and that you know if you're in the Haggis Yard and you've got Baid in here, and they've got you've got two of their stars that have had a dirty scope, oh, you know they it it would worry me about taking a very short price just if that's going around the yard at the moment. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're just down. You do need seven runners or more for the swinger, which is the big one. But I think across every other day other than this first day and, and, and the international, the very top class races are always a little bit tough um, because we just don't have that many horses that can compete with Bae. But we've got a six runner race in the, in the international and a six runner race, race in the great voltager. But looking down the rest of the week, I think every other, every other race will be you know, amply uh, supported and we'll have it we'll have all of the all of the um pools in in action fingers crossed i'm sure shower rain will probably help that as well fingers crossed uh olivia obviously baid is is popular for us on uk shows like andrew said we keep linking him to franklin stuff what sort of the international appeal i know in our tend to follow stables 86.3 percent of people have him included but is that sort of mirrored elsewhere across across the globe that baid is this superstar yeah, I think when you have these superstar horses, even if they don't travel internationally, there's always going to be discussion about them, whether that's just appreciating their talent or we see it if they don't travel, people wondering what might have happened if they had done, who they would have met, how that would have unfolded. You know, we still even last week had a discussion about Winks over to, you know, going over Twitter, what would have happened if she'd gone internationally, who would have met her. Um, so I think in that respect, there's definitely international appeal. I think it is unlikely that we'll see Baij travel internationally. I think he's won two Breeders' Cup winning your own races now. A win in the international would make him eligible for the Japan Cup bonus system. But I don't think that would ever happen. Sadly, I would love to see it. But I think similarly to Andrew, Dubai Honor is a horse that... Um, I think from an international perspective, has travelled, has gone to Hong Kong. So I wonder whether there'll be international interest around him. 
Excellent stuff. It's uh, It'll be good to see how he gets on, especially going up in trip. And yeah, that's a good point made by Jamie with the dirty scope going around. I'm sure that'll uh, might put a few people off. But let's go to the, the Yorkshire Oaks on the on the Thursday. Olivia, I'll come back to you because there's Alpinista who's in this, been running around the globe, especially in Germany this year. And it's uh, an interesting form line, especially when we've seen the likes of Torquay to Tasso and stuff come over from Germany, win the arc and Alpinista has beaten uh, Torquay to Tasso already this season. Yeah, she's a really interesting contender. I think, I mean, I would wonder whether she went slightly under the radar last year with those Group 1 wins over in Germany. I think retrospectively, she really captured people's attention because that win in August last year, the 1-2-3 was Alpinista, Torquato Tasso, Walton Street. And Torquato Tasso went on to win the ARC. Walton Street went on to win the Canadian International. So the form on different continents was sort of backed up in that respect. Um, I think perhaps we would want a tiny bit more rain for her, um, although she was very impressive last month over in Saint-Cloud, winning another Group 1. And we also have another French-trained horse coming over, that's Raclette, who I think, again, we'd probably want a bit of rain in the ground, but from an international point of view, a French raider coming over. Excellent stuff. And Jamie, just in, in this race, with you being a lover of York, Aidan O'Brien is a man that regularly gets followed in this race. Do you think that makes, well, he's got a few runners in it, but obviously Tuesday might be slightly underestimated after a disappointing run in the, uh, the Irish derby. Yeah, it's a bit tough, isn't it, to follow Tuesday. Um, Aidan O'Brien's won, won this six times, always all with three-year-olds. Um, Tuesday, and, and it's, it's famously very young, isn't she? She's, I think she's born on June the 3rd or June the 1st yeah, yeah, or something. Right. So, to, to think that she had four races, or I think five, or it's five races early this season, four of which were in classics, and she's, you know, she's uh, six months younger than everything else, pretty much, you know, it's quite a big, uh, a big call from Aidan O'Brien, you know, testing her that highly um, when she was so, so much younger than her competitors. You'd think, well, she's been given a break, uh, she could have grown into herself, it really, you know, it was could be anything. It was a bit of a surprise at, at Epsom, but um, could be anything. I'm, I, I think Alpinist is an absolute nailed uncertainty. Yeah, I do. I, I think when it, when won the Grand the uh, one at Saint Cloud, the Grand Prix there, and and then they said, oh well, she's she, she's not really fully ready, and she can't. She had the worst race. If you watch that race, she was she was about 12, 12, kind of twelve lengths wide at the turn, but pushed out. Went past everything as though they were standing still, and then if you, so, you, you know, you could have had every excuse if, if she hadn't won. Um, I can't see anything here to to if she's improved from that to to trouble her, and uh, so I'll, I'll, I'm banking on Al, Alpinista in this race. So it'll be interesting what happens with Tuesday, but it's just just because of the you know the the, the improvement that should come from her. But, O'Brien is strange. He has farmed this race, but O'Brien doesn't have a particularly great record at this meeting over the last kind of 15 years, given, how, given his record everywhere else. You know, it's, probably, it's not one that he really massively targets. Um, so Alpinista for me. Alpinista for Jamie. Andrew, how do you see this race? There's plenty of form lines, like we've already mentioned. There's uh, Magical Lagoon in there as well, obviously, is one at Royal Ascot and then followed up in the Irish Oaks to add to the, the other names we've already mentioned. Yeah, I thought Magical Lagoon might have been slightly flattered by you know, getting her own way in those two races and wasn't going to have an easy time of things up front here. I wanted to be against the, the three-year-old fillies, really. Tuesday 
you know, was a fortunate winner of the Oaks. And, you know, I know it was against the, the boys uh, in the Irish Derby, but she was firmly put in her place. So I'm with Jamie, very much like Alpinistra. I mean, she's Luke Morris's ride. He's been on board eight times, seven wins and a fourth beat a length. That was over a mile, woefully inadequate, um, back in 2019. So he's just, you know, he and this mare, they just click, a, a perfect combination. Um, I, I think she's going to take all the beating here. Um, quite quite disappointed Alba Flora wasn't going to um, uh, uh, run for the same owners because I thought that one would be ridden for second and that was a, a banker exactor. Um, but in terms of exotics, I'll probably go La Petit Coco for the Paddy Toomeyard, who's uh, very, very consistent and um, you know she's still on the upgrade. I think she can chase home the favourite. Yeah, and he heard Paddy uh, Toomey saying about uh, a bit of rain would be appreciated and he really fancied her then. So, yeah, definitely one for the exotics. So, but uh, Alpinista looks like the, the strong fancy there. So we'll go on to the, the Nunthorpe. It's another 10-to-follow bonus race. Royal Acclaim is, well, seems to be a bit of a talking horse going into this. We've put her in, Jamie, into the uh, transfer window for the 10-to-follow, and 5.4% of stables have now got her included. I know when we'd spoken to Harry Finlay the other week regarding the Scoop 6, he was quite keen on her as well. So I imagine that, that this is a horse to follow. Yeah, Harry, Harry Finley's. he was talking to me about it. He's been backing it from nine, nine to Everyone's saying it's very short. I think it's because Harry's been backing it from kind of five to two, nine to four, two to what he's taking every price in all the way in. Um, you know, they, they haven't got anything to stay to even test it at home. Um, so it's James Tate, isn't it? So it's going to be interesting. It, we all want a superstar sprinter and and perhaps she, she is it, but... Um, you know, you're looking around. There's a there's a few others in there to to challenge her. I think Lazuli could be better than could be better than expected. Um, I'd I'd be interested what Andrew thinks in this one, just for for how it might pan out. I know we haven't had the draw yet as we're speaking, um, but just whether because she's a come from behind horse, um, Royal Acclaim. Well, she travels so well. She you know she'd have to kind of tuck in and go. But uh, I'd, it'd be interesting how this pans out. I'd be interested at Andrew's view. Yeah, um, I don't listen to inside information, but I had some before she ran here and listed company last time and basically said, yeah, she'll win and um, you know, back her for the Nunthorpe. And I, I didn't take that advice. Wished I had because the price is an awful lot shorter now. She was very impressive here last time out. Um, one or two of the speed figure merchants are saying that she hasn't done it on the clock, but she's only had three runs in her career. She's improving. I thought she had an excellent chance. In, yeah, in terms of the, I mean, we have had some upsets in this race, haven't we, over the years? You know, you look back, you know, um, you know, uh, um, uh, for Robert Cal, 40 to 1, Alpha Delphini for Brian Smart, 40 to 1. I was looking at Project Dante, one of the smart runners, who's only a rated 100, and but of course was just pipped in the Norfolk Stakes last year yeah. by Perfect Power and Go Bears Go, and now rated 117 and 113 although Project Dante uh, rocks up in the opener on Wednesday, um, the um, extended five furlong handicap. I very much doubt both races are going to be on the agenda. Um, but, it, you know, Bond Chairman as well, you know, another smart one from, you know, a trainer who can uh, who can cause a surprise in this race. So obviously check, check what's happening draw-wise earlier in the week. And if, if there does seem to be a, a high draw bias and, um, you know, the favourite stuck out in store one and there's a big field, then, you know, maybe she will be vulnerable. But, you know, gun to my head, I think she wins this. Excellent stuff. And I think only two of the last 10 favourites have won this race. So I suppose it's not 
a tick in the box of Royal Acclaim, but you're still fairly strong on her, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, I, I did look at that stat. I mean, um, there was, well, it's kind of like two and a half out of the last 10 yeah. because there was, the Ostensia was seven to two joint favourite. Yeah. And um, I mean, in, in that sort of time frame as well, the, you know, the expected number of, of fa winning favourites was only just above that. So it's probably not a statistically significant sample size. The other ones are kind of seven out of 11 of the last ones have been fillies and mares, but we've got the, the first four in the betting are fillies and mares in this race. So it's another one that, that you know, you'd expect that just in the breakup of this race. So, that, so they, they will come with a better chance. One of them at the top is uh, Flotus Olivia. Obviously, he's not an international runner, but he's owned by uh, an international owner in Katsuma Yoshida, if I've said that right, bought for a million guineas last November. And, um, well, there might be some Far East interest around there anyway in terms of whirlpool betters betting into the market. Yeah, definitely. I think that sell was very exciting. Obviously came off the back of the Chiefly Park Stakes where she finished a close second. Um, and I think from that point of view as well, there might also be interest around Dragon Symbol. Dragon Symbol's owner also owns horses over in Japan as well. Um, from an international sort of form point of view, if she does go over, I'll also be interested in Highfield Princess. Um, sorry, if she does run, um, just because of the Maurice de Geest um, sort of form. That was a fascinating race. They went, the pace was really slow and she sort of went off and beat some, a, a really great field um, field of horses. So from that point of view as well, looking at that French form from a few weeks ago, it'll be interesting to see how the race unfolds. Excellent. So got a few angles covered there. Then we'll have a look at the Ebor. Obviously it's not a Whirlpool day, just the first three days of York's Ebor meeting our Whirlpool days, but I suppose it's a big betting heat. Jamie Hart and one that people will be keeping an eye on, especially exotics and stuff in this, I imagine uh, probably the way to go and get plenty of value. I think, yeah, so this will be the trifecta rollover race, yeah. uh, the Ebor. So, um, and last year, I think last year it paid uh, just over 10 grand on the tote and uh, the tricast paid about five grand. So, you know, it's, it's pretty standard that we pay double uh, for the trifecta rollover race. And there's, there's, it's interesting as well. I don't know whether this is because of the, you know, now you've got the Melrose and so the three-year-olds running the, the Melrose, but no no winner since um, from 1979 till kind of 2018 had carried more than nine stone four. Um, you know, so you go back to Sea Pigeon was the last one. But then since then, 2018, 2019, 2020 and 2021, have been nine stone nine, nine stone five, nine stone eight, nine stone eight. So it's completely bucked the trend of these kind of, unexposed types coming out and uh, winning the e-boy. It's really, you know, the, I think, again, the, the amount of money on offer here, the fact that you get a lot of horses using this potentially as a stepping stone as well for going to uh, to the spring carnival, quite a few of them. You know, I think this is a win and you're in, isn't it? For the, for, is it for, for the Melbourne Cup? You certainly get a number of them that a winner here immediately kind of thinks about the Melbourne Cup. So I think it could be. Um, and that, and you've got the Irish kind of influence as well. So we've had a few Irish uh, winners over the last few years. But, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm with um, Jessica Harrington's um, ever-present. I mean, I've, I've picked out for this one. It's quite, it's quite interesting because she, she nominated, she thought it was a, um, it, when it won at uh, Irish Champions Day, she'd kind of nominated the Ebor as the target. And, and uh, ever-presence by the elusive Pimpernel. And then after she'd nominated uh, the Ebor for the target, she, it, she then kept Everpresent off the race course for 314 days, like the elusive Pimpernel. We couldn't find him. 
And then he t- turned up and it was like five to two, drifting out to five to one for a kind of very cosy run in a in a listed race, I think, over in Ireland before before coming here. It just looks like an absolute plot up. Um, so I've, I I think Ever Present will be my dart, and then I'll build my trifecta around that. That's with Earl of Tyrone, and then I'll look around for I think Get Shirty has been because he always seems to get the run of the race, always like nails the lead, and everybody's coming at him, and 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 you always think it's going to get swallowed up. It's gone up in the weights quite a bit, but you know you've got to be a decent horse to, to get that rail position and stuff. So you know it might be overlooked, and then throw in a couple of absolute rank outsiders that might be. Might, might be in there for the for the minor places because when I do my trifectas I'll tend to concentrate in the front I won't just do the full perm I'll concentrate a couple in the first and second and, and have and then perhaps for third I could have 10 in in there for third you know and so that but it's a lot cheaper than having 10 full full cover you know so just building it up like that it just makes it a bit a bit cheaper but you can still sit there and have a trifecta that has a 200 to one chance in without you know when you don't think it's going to win but you you do think it could kind of sneak into a place. Andrew, you know plenty about them kind of trifectas from the betting tournaments we've <laughs> seen already this Whirlpool season. Anything that is catching your eye in here or will it be? Well, I think I'll settle, I think I'll settle for getting through the place spot, let alone finding the, the one, two, three. Yeah, it's incredible how it's, since the the, um, the prize money's been boosted a few years ago, how it's become a real sort of plot race, as Jamie was alluding to. It's more like the Fred Windrill, the... Well, you know, remember the novice handicap chase at the Cheltenham Festival where you had to make sure you weren't rated more than 145 or you couldn't get in. Um, there, there are a few that interested me. One of them was Enemy for Ian Williams, who uh, needs a big field and strong pace. Um, he hasn't had it in three starts since uh, winning in a field of 14 at Musselburgh earlier this season. And again, he ran behind Kiprios at Goodwood last time. You know, he was never going to win that. And uh, you know, that's just a sort of run to keep him ticking over. Um, one of the one of the other sort of suggestions, more of a place spot one, that you'll probably laugh at, is I've been very dismissive of John Leeper in uh, previous um, podcasts. I think I referred to him as John Leper at one stage because he should be avoided like the plague. And um, but he does seem to stay on when the race is over. And you know, if you look, if you're looking for one to maybe put in as a banker to finish second or third in the exact in the, in the trifecta, that might be. Um, you know, the way to go. I'm sure he won't win, but he'll be there on the premises, I think, staying on late. So I'll, I'll go with enemy over John Le- uh, John, Le- John Leeper, not Leper. Must, must get that right. Yeah, yeah. we'll remember that for the uh, when the race, the left is coming through at the back. Well, Olivia, I've seen you nodding away to get shirty as a shout from Jamie there. Is that one that catches your eye? Yeah, I think my allegiances have to be with the horses that have spring carnival nominations. That's where my passion lies, so I have to be with them. <laughs> Um, Get Shirty is one of them, so my eyes will definitely be on Get Shirty, Enemy, and actually also Akita Sushi is another one. Um, Joseph O'Brien has nominated a lot of horses for the Spring Carnival, has obviously had lots of success down under, so for me, they'll be the ones that I'll be cheering for. Definitely had an Irish trained winner of the race last year in Ebo, so we'll be surprised to see another. Jamie, just before we wrap up, obviously betting tournaments are running again this week, just on the Whirlpool Day, it's not Ebo Day, but... uh, Few little changes. Jamie Benson's uh, the beat Benson full slight change to that. Yeah, so we we so, so we've been running them. Everybody's been enjoying them. Um, and uh, Andrew Andrew's our top winner. I think, or, or he's certainly our top performer. We've we were just collecting up the number of people that have won a top ten positions for for getting into the fifty grand winner takes all kind of champion of champions. And Andrew's in the lead with eight. 
eight kind of top 10 finishes. So everybody should be paying attention to what Andrew puts up with exactors and trifectas. But um, this this time around, people have said, well, one of the pieces of feedback we had was that, that Jamie Benson, that you have to, but you beat Benson and you get a payout if you make a profit and get do better than Jamie. Jamie's had a 300 pound bank to work with in each of the games so far. And some people thought, well, that kind of marks me out of it because I never really have a three hundred pound bank. So we've cut Jamie's bank down to a hundred pounds. I mean, if he had, he gets some early winners, he can spend as much as he likes. But his his original kind of deposit in his account will be a hundred pounds. So it might make it a little bit easier for people to to kind of take him on. But of course, you know, to be in the top ten, then you know, I think we've had plenty of people there that have bet significantly less than a hundred pounds. When you get nailing these ten p trifectas that get that land you a big a big payout and then the, we've had a scoop six winner that's won we've had all sorts of kind of you know of, of small players that have been in there and won plenty of money so but just for the the sake of making sure that people don't get put off is he's down to just 100 pounds to start with so he'll have to he'll have to nail some winners early if he wants to get yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what his tactics are whether he's just going to go for the the place spot the scoop six the jackpot exactly well he'll check you'll have to play a bit smaller what, what we are doing for this this uh, meeting is Jamie will do a video for with his three top three picks on every race. So if you go to the site, you'll be able to see every every one of Jamie's kind of picks in each of the races. So he'll do a preview uh, for each one so everyone can see what they're up against. But I, I would recommend by all means take that into account. But I, I think I'd be following um, yeah, I'd be following Andrew and and Rory Delaghi does some work as well. They they, they certainly have a, a, a longer standing kind of success rate. No pressure though. <laughs> not at all and uh, Jamie just for the, if you do qualify in the top 10 obviously time's sort of running out to get into the final we've got the Ebor days and then I think I'm right in saying only Irish Champions Day then between that and the, the final yeah it's just Irish Champions Day the, the kind of second weekend of uh, September and then we're and then we'll all come together for I think October the 14th whichever the Saturday is there for the Champions Day um, and then it, and then We'll get we'll we'll have a, a group. Everybody will get their invite after York, and we'll pick up the people that pick up that that get the top ten places at, at Leopardstown and invite them as well. But there will be a kind of we'll we'll have something on in London that people can come to if they want to be uh, present. You know, amongst other people that are in the final. Um, Jamie, can we all have our own walk-on music, please? <laughs> oh, you can, and we and, and we will be getting our own darts shirts made yeah, made yeah. up. You'll have to think of your nickname before you come on, but. We'll, we'll, we'll have that going in London. Obviously, you don't have, people won't have to come to that, but we'll try and make a, an event of it and, and, have, and make sure we, we uh, share it all on social and set, get some decent film of people fighting it out uh, for the 50 grand. It should be interesting. I'm just looking forward to Andrew's walk on music now after that. Sounds like he's been thinking of lots of play. <laughs> should be good. I love it too. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've got, will we get eight songs to walk on to, Jamie, considering he's already qualified eight times? <laughs> You get eight bars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess the song each time. Right then, guys, have a, a great York E-ball week. I know it's one of the, the great weeks of the flat season anyway, so best of luck with your selections and make sure you get that whirlpool value. We'll, uh, we'll catch up with you all soon. <laughs>